Welcome to The City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. Ready for a word. This is part three of Faithful, uh, and uh, like I said, catch parts one and two on the podcast, but, but I don't want you to turn in your Bibles. I want to just read for you uh, the scripture this morning. It's Exodus chapter four. Verses 10 through 16. My version says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths and who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You will speak to him, put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth, as if you were God to him. The word of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for the sun that is shining today, God. And Lord, it's a preface of the warmth that is coming. So Lord, I pray that in this moment, you would now speak to us. God, this word is going to come as seed to soil. And so God, I pray that it would grow. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Have you ever had an encounter with somebody that you could have sworn was an angel? I know, like, I'm not talking about the corny Christian pickup lines of, I didn't know angels flew this low. I'm not talking like that. I'm not talking like that. I'm talking, like, people that are positioned in your life for a moment that you just swear that they they could have been an angel. Where they show up on the scene at a moment's notice, and they come through and it's just kind of the provision and the hand of God at the right time. And you've never seen the person before. You haven't seen them since. It's just you met them in that one moment, and it's like God positioned that person in your life for such a time as that. And God just, man, my sermon this morning, I'm just going to give you the, the entire thing in one sentence. God proves his faithfulness through the people that he positions in your life. God proves his faithfulness through people. The people that he puts in your life. Have you ever gotten that text message at the right moment? That, that day that you were just needing a word of encouragement. That day that you were just needing to pick me up. And so all of a sudden somebody comes through and says, I, I was just thinking about you. And, and I just want to remind you that you are, number one, you are fly. And you are worthy. And you are beautiful. And they just start pouring out words of encouragement. My wife is one of those people where she'll just be like, I need a text so-and-so today. And here's the thing about those text messages. You don't know if it's timely or not, but you can never go wrong by encouraging somebody. Have you ever gotten those text messages? Man, when, when the Lord just gives you a word through somebody. Have you ever been blessed with just like finding money on the floor when you needed gas? Like you were already below the E and you were already, you're saying like, I know my car. I don't need gas yet. I know my car. And you're running on the fumes and praying for increase and anointing the gauge. And, and you're, you're, you're just pouring anointing oil in the gas, thing, praying that God would transform the, 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 the oil into, into, into gas. And, and God just comes. Have you ever been blessed financially? 
Man, that feels good when somebody blesses you financially. If anybody wants to bless me financially, I'm in this position of receiving. Uh, Man, it's just good to... Have you ever blessed somebody financially? Less amens, but okay. Uh, It's just great when when you're able to meet somebody's need, when you're able to spot somebody at the restaurant, like, nah, I'll take care of it. And then there's those people that it seems like everybody's always taking care of it. Like, when are you going to take care of it? But, but, but to have that blessing is just, I, man, I think God uses people. This happened to my, my dad when we moved to the States. Um, my dad was a dentist in Brazil. And, uh, and so he came here and kind of had to do dental school over. Uh, my dad's just the most committed, disciplined man you'll ever meet in your life. Every time I tell a story about my dad in church, he bawls. He, 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 he just cries. Now he's not here, so he's not crying. But he, every time, I, like last week I told the story about the savings account, you would have thought I was telling the most emotional story ever. He was just like, just tears, just weeping, the poor man. Um, but, but I need to just stop telling stories about him. But but he, he would drive back and forth to BU. He went to Boston University to do dental school over again in the early 90s. And he had, like, the oldest car in the planet. Like, you had to anoint it in order for it to drive. You had to pray before you turned the key, that kind of a car. And, uh, and one day he was driving back from BU to come back to Pawtucket, to East Providence, where we lived and I grew up. And he just, and he, his car broke down. I mean, not really a surprise. You know, those cars, it's, it's kind of like, not like okay, one more day in the life. And it just broke down on the side of 95. And you know that stretch of 95 from Boston to, to the Kmart sign, now the Hobby Lobby sign? Uh, it, it, that's, that's the longest stretch of our lives, right? It's just like, those 10 exits last forever. And so he, he pulled over on that stretch of highway. And I've heard this story growing up. Somebody pulled over with a Coke bottle filled with water. Coke bottle filled with water, popped the hood, poured the water on top of his engine and said, you should be fine. The car started and he got back to his province because of a Coke bottle filled with water by one random guy that stopped on 95. That stuff does not just happen. Man, not people that don't have faith says, wow, what a coincidence. Thank my lucky stars. No, I believe that God, I think God is that good that he puts the right people with the Coke bottle with some random water on the side of 95 because God doesn't do anything randomly. I believe that God proves his faithfulness through people. Man, I think God is even so good that he uses people that don't believe in him. Right? That's how amazing God is. He uses folks that don't even believe in him, aren't even Christians. And God's like, you know how good I am? I'm going to use this heathen This person who doesn't even believe, I'm going to use this sorcerer to bless you. Weird. I'm I'm going extreme, but I'm just trying to prove one point. Is that not sorcerer? God uses people. God uses bosses. God uses supermarket clerks. God uses, man, have you ever been the person blessed with somebody paying for your coffee at Dunkin'? They were ahead of you and they paid for you and now you're feeling all guilty because you ain't about to pay for the person behind you. God uses people. Man, I want you to start looking at the folks in your life and look at what God has intended through their life in your sphere of influence. I was thinking through this, and I'm like, there's kind of six types of people that come into our life. And I didn't Google this. I didn't get this from seminary. I kind of just thought about it. 
And the Lord gave me kind of six categories of folks that come in, into our life for a reason. And I want to sh- I want to share with you some of these kinds of people because I think it'll resound with you. Um, number one are the encouragers. Do you know any encouragers? Man, I love me some encouragers because my love language is words of affirmation. So any other words of affirmation people in the room, you just love when people like talk you up. Yeah, exactly. All of us egotistical people are not trying to raise our hand right now, but uh, that's the, just the, I, I like words of affirmation. Like when Alini says, you're looking good. Like if she tells me I'm looking good, man, I am the flyest guy in the world. I may not be tall, dark and handsome, but I am tall, white and handsome. Man, a word of encouragement will put some pep in your step. When somebody says, nice haircut, that, you, all have a, you, start, you start like walking with like a little bit more of a strut because of a word of encouragement. Encouragers. Some people come into your life simply to be your encourager, to be the cheerleaders on the, on the shame team. And it's not about pumping you up. It's about allowing God to use them to give you a word that will help keep you going. Man, I think God uses text messages. God uses conversations. God uses hugs to encourage. You want to know why ambassadors hugs every time we turn around? It's because that gives life to people. Man, we hug to start the service. We hug to transition from the second song to the third song. We, we, we hug to end worship. We hug to give offering. We hug to get into the word. We hug coming out of the word. We have altar calls that are just hugs. At least five times a year, my dad will say, this altar call is all hugs. We have the band playing, and everybody hugs as many people as they can. That's our altar call. That's a crazy church, because you know why? Hugs give life. Man, there are some people that are encouragers, that they, God has put them in your life to be. I am so glad I married an encourager, because God knew my need. If you're, here's the thing. You, when you're in relationship, If you're married to somebody that's always putting you down, that's a bad sign. Oh, nah, you ain't good at that. Nah, that ain't going to work out. If you're married to that, you need to have, no, well, if you're already married, now you're in covenant, you better pray over them. If you're dating, you better cut it, right? Like, you man, I need some encouragement in my life. And the Lord gave me like the most encouraging. Now, when I, when I started getting encouragement from her, now I, it's a two-way street. It can't just be the Shane team, the Shane show. Oh, girl, you better be encouraging me. So I started speaking words of affirmation to her. Man, she said it herself. I think a lady can do anything. If she wanted to be a heart surgeon, she could go to medical school, graduate, and become the best heart surgeon in the world. I just believe that she's capable because she's smart. She is worthy. And so you just start saying that. You know what happens? Man, your marriage gets better when you start encouraging each other. The climate at home changes when you're not saying, dang, you, you're so dirty. You're so ugly. You're so dead. Why why your breath smelling like that? Like, why are you looking like that in the morning? You know your wife wasn't going to. No, my wife looks the same today, yesterday, and forever. But, 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 but your wife, when she wakes up and she's looking some other kind, you better say, you are so beautiful to me. And it changes the atmosphere at home. Even if that rice is one big clump of white, you start saying, girl, you are the best cook in the whole wide world while you're just pulling apart the rice grains. And you're saying, I love it, Chunky. Like, you just start saying like that. 
You encourage her. Because encouragement causes change, not criticism. We think if we criticize, stuff changes. Now, nah, you got to fix this rice. You, if you do this rice, this, I got to show you how to do rice. No, you say, this rice is so good, honey. But you know what would, be, would take this to the next level? <laughs> if you would use your gifting to loosen these rice grains, <laughs> it would be even better. And you just start encouraging. You start encouraging. I'm just gonna I'm gonna counteract everything that I just said with one thing. So Cape Verdean homes, we make rice with tuna. That's just it's our thing. I grew up on it. Like that's a great Saturday meal. It's a great Sunday evening meal. It's a great Thursday afternoon thing. Like rice with tuna is just like a good filler. And so my wife, when we got married, said Shane loves a horse quantum. Let me make some rice with tuna. So she made it. And it wasn't like my mama's. <laughs> and so I said, I said, and everyone's going to hate me after this message. I said, sweetheart, this doesn't taste like. Oh, make, yeah, I said, Brazilians should not try to make Cape Verdean dishes. If the cross was here, y'all could nail me. I, I get it. I'm still married, y'all. I'm still married. Yeah. But so she didn't try it again. Until like recently, our marriage got a whole lot healthier and we went to therapy and counseling, and then not over that, over other stuff. And then our marriage got real better, a lot better. And then she tried again. I didn't make it for you. I made it for myself. Yeah, she made it for herself. <laughs> didn't realize we were tag teaming this sermon, but. So she made it again. And she said, when she made it, this is what she said. She says, I'm going to make a hoist quantum. And you can't have any. That's what she said. She said, because Brazilians shouldn't make Cape Verdean dishes, right? So you can't have any. So she made it, and man, the scent just traveled through the whole house. I'm like, oh, I know what she's trying to make. Yeah, yeah, try it. And then she made it. And then I was, I was like in the room just like working on, I was like working on stuff. And she comes through with her, with her plate, piled high with, with OS Quantum. And then I'm like, that looks good. And then she's like, do you want, you, did you want, you were graceful and said, do you want to try it? And I said, yeah, I'll, let's see what, let's see what happens. And so I, I took a, I took a fork of it and I ate it. And man, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I said, wow, you mind if I grab a plate? I said, this is just as good as my mom's. Yeah, it really was. And so, like, what the enemy intended for evil. (laughs) No, 
know, but she's now killing it. She's now killing it, uh, which is just like, because she can do anything. If she can be a heart surgeon, she can make rice and tuna. And, uh, and, and that's just, that's the power of encouragement. You, sometimes you don't need to state the obvious because some people already know what's wrong. I hate like Captain Obviouses. It's like, yes, I know I'm terrible at this. Why do you need to highlight it? You know, like I'd rather have an encourager that's going to say, man, I can see you're working so hard. Keep going. That changes, that changes atmospheres. Do you agree with that? Man, I'm on point one. It's already 10.01. Number two are the people that come into your life to be a humbler. I don't even know if that's a word. But the people that keep you humble. These are the people that we don't like as much as the encouragers. Because the humblers are the people who all they do, these are the captain obviouses. These are the ones who, who, who are just trying, they're the, they're the cops. Have you ever had a cop in your life? Like, they're, they're just ready to blow the whistle on, on whatever it is that's happening. They, and sometimes we're like, Lord, you need to remove this thorn in my flesh. But did you know that difficult people keep you humble? Because if everybody were an encourager, the chances of getting puffed up and big-headed are high. So for every encourager, there's usually two humblers. So you have like one great encourager. There's going to be two other people that come into your circle that are, call, that are called by the Lord to keep you humble. And it's okay, folks. It's okay to not always be doing life with everybody that's praising you. It's okay for not everybody to be singing your praises and saying how beautiful you. It's okay to have that one person that, although everybody in church has says you're beautiful, that one person comes up and says, but you got a zit on your forehead. <laughs> it's okay because those people are designed. Have, have you ever had that? Like, I know I have this zit. Have you ever had those zits that hurt like they're coming up and you just feel the soreness rising? Am I the only one in the room? And it's just happening. And man, I get them like right here. So like four times a year, I look like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I just, it just happens. Like, and, 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 and man, like I don't need nobody to come say your nose is red. I've done the mask. I've done the nose strip. I've done the noxema. I've done the prayers. I've done it all. I've done the toothpaste. But it still happens. You know toothpaste takes down redness? I don't know if that's true or not, but Verdians do it, I guess. I don't know. Somebody did it in somewhere, so that's what we... But it's okay if they point it out. Criticism keeps us humble. It knocks you down. And being knocked down is good. Being knocked down is good. Man, can I just be honest with you? I take church real personal. Real personal. Like if somebody says this ceiling tile is ugly, I go home and I'm like, how can they say that? <laughs> how can they? What a beautiful ceiling tile. But, and so I started thinking like, man, every word against the church was a word against me. And it's not. Like just because they don't like that ceiling tile doesn't mean I need to lose my sleep over it. Like I can still go home and knock out because the sun is going to come up tomorrow. And the ceiling tile, who cares? If you like it, wonderful. If you don't, buy us a new one. Like, <laughs> you know, it's all right. Can you tell your neighbor, it's all right? <laughs> number three. Are you ready for number three? So we had encouragers, humblers. These are the providers. 
Man, we love providers. This is my father. This is the $5 in the savings account that he transfers money in. This is that kind of a person where when you have a need, God has positioned them to provide. My grandmother, who is now 90, sitting in a nursing home, bless her heart, she is a provider. She is the kind of woman who, if you don't have and she only has one, she will give you the one that she has. That's her. That's who she is. And that's her husband right here, amening. So you know it's true because they've been married for how many years, Grandpa? Have you been married? 70-something years? 72 years. 72 years married. And he still goes to the nursing home, kisses his wife. That is beautiful. That's in sickness and in health for as long as we both shall live. Man, that's another sermon for another day. But, but she's that kind. And so I remember growing up, this would happen all the time. My grandma would call, she would sit in her rocking chair. And think typical American grandma. That's my, my grandma. Sitting in her rocking chair, watching the news with a lamp on and a cup of hot tea. My grandma. And she calls from the kitchen, Shane, I already knew it was a good day. I go in and she says, I have $20 for you. And here's one for Shayla. And I'm like, two for me. (laughs) But she would always do that. And man, sometimes $20, actually, $20 is a lot of money. Some of y'all are like, nah, $20 ain't nothing. Give me yours then. I will gladly take it. $20 is a lot of money. It comes in clutch sometimes, right? Man, that's like five four for fours. That's a lot of food. I measure, measure money in terms of how many four for fours it covers. That's a lot of, that's a lot of food. And, but she's a provider. She comes through. And now she's sitting in a nursing home with people caring for her day in and day out. And still when I visit, she's like, can you believe I have no money in my purse? She says that. Can you believe they won't give me any money here? And I'm like, Grandma, it's okay. You don't need money now. She's like, well, you know, I hope everybody's doing okay. I'm like, we, we got this. You know, I'm working. Alini's working. Shayla's working. Like, we're, we're, we're good. Yeah, but I need money. And she's like, where's my shoes? I'm like, she's like, I'm, I'm like where are you going? She's like, well, you never know. I might need to get up and go somewhere. Like, where's my, sh- where's my shoes? She has dementia now, and dementia's hard. Um, it's, hard, it's a hard illness, disease to, to deal with because you feel like the person is still living, but their mind is, is, is going. And, uh, but when I see her sitting in that chair at the nursing home, and, and man, she, she knows my love language. She's like, I, I think I've told you this story. I'll tell it again because this is a great story. She, she's like, out of all the pastors I know, which her husband is one, her son-in-law is one, <laughs> like she's been in ministry her whole life. She's like, I would still choose you to be my pastor. Man, she loves me. (laughs) She loves me. My grandma loves me. And uh, she's she's a provider. That's the kind of person she is. And and I want to encourage you with this. If you have something that somebody else needs, be generous with what you have. With everything, including your time. Be generous. Provide time. Time changes lives. Time changes lives. Is anybody getting anything out of this this morning? Number four, the heartbreakers. God puts heartbreakers in your path. 
These are the people that come in like sheep and leave like wolves. <laughs> it's part of life. And sometimes we think that, that God shouldn't have allowed this wolf in sheep's clothing to come in and disturb our peace. But did you know that God even uses the wolves, the snakes? Can I just go down all the horrible animals? God uses all of it to turn it around for your good. Because heartbreak gives way to healing. And so you wouldn't know God as the healing God that he is if you weren't wounded deeply by people. You wouldn't know how faithful he is if you hadn't experienced the betrayal of man. You wouldn't experience the true character of God if people never disappointed you. There are going to be friends that are in your life for a season. And you need to be okay with the fact that not everything is permanent. There are going to be some folks who come in and talk a good talk. And they are for you as long as you are for them. And as long as you are doing what they want, they'll be happy with you. If friendship is dependent upon your performance, that's not a friendship. That's a partnership. And so it kind of happens that some people are in, some people are out. Heartbreak happens. And it rains on the just and the unjust. Betrayal happens. Slander, unfortunately, happens. All of this takes place and we have a broken heart, but God is able to use even the people who came into our life and broke us. Because when we come through that process of healing, you will be a stronger person because of the heartbreak that you faced than you would have been if you had never gone through the school of hard knocks. And so this morning, I want to encourage you with this, that God uses heartbreak for healing. Can we say amen to that? I want you to tell your neighbor, joy will come in the morning. Joy will come in the morning. Number five, and I'm almost done here, is that there are stepping stones in our life. People that are stepping stones. And I don't mean that you're using them, but I believe that sometimes God brings people into our life to get you from the step that you're at to the step that you need to be at. Stepping stones. There are some folks that literally insert themselves into the story so that you will have a place to stand for a moment before you step into the next thing that God has for you. And so that stepping stone was positioned by God to be the person who would get you from point A to point B. I kind of think of that as when I lost my job from teaching, it was a devastating moment for me. It was only a few months before my wedding. I didn't see it coming. It was a, it was one of the most frustrating experiences because my plan was one and then kind of things didn't work out the way I wanted it to be. And so, man, I was kind of upset about it. And I'm like, how could God do this? How could this school do that? Like, I was just upset at everybody. And so I started looking for jobs. And, and then I, I, got a, uh, I got a job offer at a bank. And then I got a simultaneous job offer. This was months later at a, uh, a nonprofit working with adults with disabilities. And so I took the second job, the one with adults with disabilities, and basically this job consisted of, of me driving people with disabilities to the bowling alley, and then I drove them to a cookie factory, and we made cookies, and then I drove them to a, a little dental thing, and we packed dental packs of floss and, and stuff, and then uh, we, would go to, we would go mini golfing, and we would do like, it was just me driving a white van, kind of like what I do here, uh, with, <laughs> with, with people with disabilities, and so, so th that was my job. And when I got the job, I'm not like, okay, I'm going to live here and die here. This is my job for life. Like, I knew this was not my final destination, but it was a stepping stone. It was somewhere that God wanted me for a period 
Because what you're willing to do in the interim will prove your character for the long term. Instead of me leaving my teaching job and saying, well, unless I get into full-time ministry, I ain't doing nothing. You know where I would be? Still unemployed. But I took a stepping stone, and I drove a van to a bowling alley. I drove a van to the mini golf. I went to the cookie factory and made Christmas cookies. And you're like, this is a dream job. But it wasn't the dream. It was a stepping stone. And so I am forever grateful to the place that said, you're hired. Because it gave me a place to stand in order for me to get to my purpose. There are some people in your life that are going to come in so that you can stand for a minute. Then you take the next step and they're gone. And it's okay. It's a stepping stone, not a final destination. Is this helping anybody this morning? And number six, this is my favorite kind of person. These are the journeyers. These are the people that are ride or die. They are in and they're in for the long haul. Through the ups of employment, through the downs of being broke as a joke, through childbirth and funerals, these are the people that are there. These are the ones who are there when you are sick. These are the people that are, will laugh at your corny jokes and they will cry when you are crying. These are the people that will champion your cause and stand there with you for the long haul. Man, I love me some journeyers. Some people that aren't just going to be for me because of what I can do for them, but some people that intrinsically see my value and will love me for who I am and stand with me through every season, whether that be a season of prosperity, and I can offer you nothing but a cup of hot water, or it can be in a season of plenty when I can really bless you. It doesn't matter what I can offer you. We are together for life. Man, I need some journeyers in my life. I have some journeyers, but I want you to journey with me. And a commitment that Alini and I have made as... Christians, as pastors, is an example that I've followed from my parents, where they don't pastor from a position of platform, but they pastor from a position of relationship, where they do life with the people that God has called them to lead. That's a commitment that Ali and I have made, is that I'm not going to be a platform person in your life that comes in when the worship's done and stands here, gives a speech, and leaves, and you don't see me again. But I want to be at the cafe with a cup of coffee. I want to be sitting at Banchan Chicken. And if you don't know the blessing of Banchan Chicken, know the blessing of Banchan Chicken with a group of friends. I, I want to be on 95 back and forth to Boston as many times as possible because my family is not in one location but two. Man, I want to be in homes, on couches, around kitchen tables. I want to be in hot apartments that have no AC, but we're having a good time. I want to be around bread and coffee and lots of butter. I want to be around couscous. I want to be around a hoskotum. Made the right way. I want to I want to Man, I just want to sit and chat. No agenda. Just us talking about whatever comes into our brain, whatever. It doesn't have to be the book of Exodus. It can, it can be just life. That's the beauty of community. That's the beauty of ambassadors, is that we gather not simply to get something out of this place, 
We gather to journey through life together. So when you break, I'm broken. When you celebrate, I'm celebrating. When you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, yes, you can count on the presence of God, but yes, you have a church family to stand with you. When it's your birthday, we'll text you happy birthday. Man, it feels good to be part of a family. You have somebody to cut a cake with. You have somebody to be there when you blow out the candles. You have somebody there at the funeral that you need somebody with you. Man, you have hugs every Sunday. And we will go to your house just to hug you if you need another one. We will be there because there's no invisible people. There's no one left behind. This is not a church to attend. This is a family to belong to. And man, I'm called to do life with you. That's the beauty of community. And so God proves his faithfulness through the people that he has placed in your life. And I see this in the life of Moses is that Moses was a man who had a lot of excuses. God was calling him to lead the people of, uh, from Egyptian captivity into the promised land. And, and Moses gave God every excuse of why he couldn't. He said, I, I'm slow of speech. I have a stutter. I'm not a leader. I can't. I, I won't. I'm not the right man for the job. And for every excuse that, God, that Moses gave, God gave him a reassurance of, of the reasons why the Lord would be with him and why Moses was called. And, and Moses kept giving excuses all the way up to the point that Moses was just like, you know what, God, I just don't want to do it. It's kind of like when someone's inviting you to like plans and then you say, nah, but my dog needs to be washed. And then like, they, like, they're like, oh, I'll wash it for you. And then you're like, no, but my mom's like coming over. And then you're like, well, bring your mom with you. And then you're like, well, but hot water's not on, so I really can't shower. And then they're like, no, come shower here. Like, we got you. Well, like, I'm really, I didn't get a lineup. Oh, I got a clipper. Like, I'll do it. I'll handle it right for you right now. And so if, like for every excuse, they have like a counter reason. And then it gets to the point where you're just like, I just don't want to go. Have you ever had that? Us introverts can relate uh, where you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of peopled out. I can't people right now, but when I can people, I'll come. Um, and then you're kind of given like the maybe and you know, maybe means no, like you're just kind of doing that whole thing. And I guess to the point where you say, I'm just not coming. That's kind of what mo- happened to Moses. Moses is just like, God, choose somebody else. And then God, it says, burned with anger towards Moses and said, have you considered your brother Aaron? He can speak. So Aaron would now be in Moses' life to be the voice box for what God would say to Moses. Moses would listen. Aaron would speak to the people. Because God proves his faithfulness through the people that he places in your life. We had a situation with our family in 2017, October of 2017, where um, Alini's brother, Sam, and his wife, Carol, uh, were expecting a child. And... um, and, and many of you know this story. It was probably one of the uh, hardest seasons that the Silva family, our family, had to go through. And uh, so they, they were expecting the child. The, the child was due in February of 2018. And uh, the pregnancy had some, had some hardship. And then eventually, you know, the doctors were in consult with, with Carol and Sam. And eventually, you know, it was kind of determined that the baby wasn't going to make it. But she still had to give birth. And so it was a stillbirth where she went through the pain of childbearing without the reward of having a child. Stillborn, 
but still born. And, um, and it was hard. And, and I remember it was the night. So she was in the hospital the day of my father-in-law's birthday. My mom and dad, who are encouragers, knew how hard of a moment it was going to be for the family and knew that it was my father-in-law's birthday. So to bring some joy to the moment, my mom comes in with a cooler with a birthday cake and drinks for everybody. And we're going to celebrate in this moment of pain. And then there was a nurse who was like an angel that night. She was not like your typical nurse. She had spirit of joy was on her. I don't know if she's a believer or not, but I just remember in that night where we just knew the inevitable was going to happen. This baby would not live. This nurse brought joy into the room. So that whole story happened, right? The family suffered, went through pain. It was a hard, dark season for the family. Carol eventually conceived a child again. This time, smooth pregnancy, due the same month, February of now 2019. And uh, so she got checked into the hospital. She was induced on January 26th of this past, this past month. Now, she was praying. Carol was praying. She said, Lord, now that I'm in a moment of joy, would you send that same nurse that was here that day of pain, would you, would you bring her again? We were all standing there in the hospital. Now, you know, expectation is high. The baby is doing well. There's no problems. And right at the beginning of another shift, one nurse left, and in comes that angel from one year prior. This time, knowing that it would not end in sorrow, but it was going to end in relief. And no sooner did she clock on, Carol was fully dilated, and baby Isaac was born. Because I believe God proves his faithfulness through the people that he puts in your path. Again, I don't know if that woman is a believer or not, but I know God used her. And God's going to use every individual that he places in your life for a reason. Heartbreak, journeyers, the people that are going to provide for you in moments of pain, in moments of need, whoever it is that is in your circle, God has them there for a reason. And all things are working together for your good and his glory. Could you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you.